Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day which you have made. Thank you for the gift of life. Um, we understand that uh, though we can procreate, um, we can't even control. We, we, we don't control we, even when those children are born or when they leave. And we don't control when, we're, when we are born and when we leave, Lord. You, you do. So we just want to acknowledge that and thank you for the gift of today. This is a day which you have made. Thank you for the ability to uh, employ songs and music, uh, singing and music to worship you. Uh, Lord, as we have uh, been talking about, may our lives be the ultimate uh, context of worship uh, of you, Lord. Um, and Lord, would you please use today's message to help us to do that, not only as individuals, but as a collective community, as a church, as a gathering, as an assembly of your people. Lord, I pray that you would please increase and that you would please cause me to decrease. I pray that you would use me right now and I pray that you would allow for allow your spirit to speak to people in ways that I could never uh, speak to them, Lord. And I just uh, ask you these things in Jesus' name. I thank you for the privilege. I ask you for the strength and the stamina to do what needs to be done, the clarity of thought, mind, words, uh, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Romans 12, beginning in verse 3, where? Oh, by the way, before I begin that, so um, if, if you all do have questions, remember the number is uh, to text those two is 240-623-8076. But this is what Romans 12.3 says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has dis distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given us, we have different gifts. If prophecy Use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it to serve. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have Paul beginning to talk about what it means to be part of the body and the first thing he does is he wants to make sure that we are thinking the way we ought to be thinking. Now, his basis for sharing this is maybe it could seem a bit out of place because his basis for sharing um, what he's about to share with the Romans is the grace that's given to him. So he says, the first starts off, for by the grace Given me, I'm going to tell everyone something. So remember that um, the, the grace that was given to Paul, he starts off the book telling people what the grace that was given to him is. Verses, verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart 
for the gospel of God. He reiterates um, a little bit of that in verse 5 of the same chapter 1. Through him, through Christ, um, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles. So Paul, when he's talking about the grace given him, he has in view, yes, he has in view his salvation, but he also has in view the role and responsibility that he has as an apostle. As we'll see, um, as a matter of fact, in uh, Hebrew, excuse me, in uh, Ephesians chapter four, we always talk about being um, being an Ephesians 4, having an Ephesians 4 mentality as it relates to ministry, uh, Pastor Kurt and I do. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And, and their job, obviously, uh, verse 12, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be little children tossed with by, excuse me, the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness in the techniques of deceit. Obviously, there's a lot there, but the point of the matter is that the gifts that Christ gave um, included um, ministry gifts. And Paul is making his appeal to the Romans out of the grace he's received as an apostle. It's like in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse uh, 25, where he's ta- first he's talking, about, he's talking about marriage. Then he's talking about the state of, you know, the state of different people in the church. Um, so he says this. He, he talks from God's perspective until verse 25, where he says, Now about virgins I have no command from the Lord, But I do give an opinion as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is faithful. There is something to be said about good spiritual leadership. Paul makes his appeal with what he's about to say out of an awareness that God has gifted him to be an apostle. Um, You don't hear us talk like that we know we're not Paul but there is but there is again there is a ultimate truth here about the grace that's given to um, godly spiritual leaders and by spiritual leaders I mean Christian leaders Our lives should be ones that you can point to and say, you know what? I may not always know where you're going, but, you know, I've seen enough to be able to trust where you're going. And I know myself personally, I could not could not be a part of a church or, or really, well, maybe I could work for people that I didn't trust, but thank God I haven't had to do that in a real long time. Um, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Another mercy of God for me, right? but I definitely couldn't be a part of a volunteer organization where I didn't trust people. I, you, me, I, I probably couldn't even be friends with people that I cannot trust. 
obviously there are levels of trust, right? So we're, we're, I can operate with people I don't trust, but there are levels of trust. So if we're going to trust anyone with kind of being a guide for us spiritually, as, as even talking with, uh, with, with the D group leaders I oversee yesterday, if my experience in pastoral ministry is, yes, there's, there's this sometimes, um, the pulpit, but what I'm most aware of and what is most precious to me is when there is the hospital bed and I have to go and see someone and see how their soul is doing and some kind of way encourage them even though we both may know that this could be our last conversation. That's very precious. It can be awkward. But the last thing anyone in that situation needs to experience is awkwardness from me. So I have to bear up under that, that awkwardness and I have to like help remind them, help them to view the mercies of God for them in a moment and situation like that. And usually in those situations, the body of work of the diet that you've been in, uh, intaking spiritually, it comes through. It comes through. And so in a sense, that is almost for me a measurement of how effective pastoral ministry is in the life of this person. So that's why it's precious. Um, because this person is like, Jesus is coming into view. And alone, I've gotten to help them when they weren't in that bed. And I want to help them even as they may be leaving that bed. That's a grace that's given. That's a grace that's given. That's an awareness I have. There's a grace given to be able to interact with that particular situation. Um, and they need to be able to trust me. They have to. Trust me. So Paul is appealing out of just an awareness of who he is. Um, remember, he hadn't even been to the church at Rome, and he's calling on them to trust him because he's an apostle. Some of us have been members of the church for a long time. And don't, 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 don't hear what I'm not saying. I said about my marriage that both of us, Karen and I, could, would attest that our marriage is not perfect. Um, neither Kurt or I would say that we pastor perfectly. Neither one of us would do that. But at the same time, we are aware that there's grace given to be spiritual leaders and even though we don't trumpet that, we take that seriously from, from our end, and I hope you do as well. As a matter of fact, I'm going to gonna just close out this section with this, this section of my message, and, and that is, um, <laughs> remember I said there are, level, there are levels of trust, and remember what Jesus said about the uh, Pharisees, right? Um, he was like, hey, you know what? You know what? They sit in Moses' seat, so listen to them. So listen to them. 
Why do you listen to them? Well, they, they are on some level speaking the truth, right? They're not embodying the truth with how they live, but they are speaking the truth. So listen to what they're saying. Now, obviously, that, now that was a different context, right? Those people don't have, probably have the, the freedoms that we have to like, on your way here, you probably pass like a whole bunch of churches. I live pretty close. I passed a few churches on my way here. Again, this is a volunteer organization, right? It's a volunteer organization. So um, I would say <clears throat> there's benefit to following spiritual leadership. Spirit, that spiritual leadership, as we'll see later when we're talking to all of us, it does have to have the character of God, right? You, you see uh, specific places where it talks about the character specifically to elders is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 as well as uh, Titus um, chapter 1. Um, so you can look at those and if you haven't uh, recently. Um, so we are aware of those. Even those, we wouldn't say we, we are perfect in those, but we know as, we, as Kirk said about our values, we are striving to um, live and interact with you according to those. And, and if there's ever any um, disconnect that you see, we don't, we're, we're available to, to counsel people, but we're also available to listen to people. So no, we don't feel like we're above, we're part of the body and the body, according to Ephesians 4, every part is to do its part so that the body can grow. And everyone in here, including the person who stands behind this, needs to grow. We all need to grow. But at the same time, there is a grace given to leaders in the church so that they can lead. And so Paul, based on this awareness, he's about to tell the Romans something that they need to hear. Not only do they need to hear, but we all need to hear. He tells everyone among them not to think more highly of themselves than they ought. And that's me, the King James. I'm, re, I'm looking right at this and I'm still quoting the King James. But anyway, <laughs> but he tells everyone among us, among them, not to think more highly than they should. Now, in thinking about this, I was like, man, you know, so he doesn't say, like, don't think of yourself highly. He says not to think of himself more highly than he should. So it's not that I'm supposed to feel like I'm supposed to always be in, like, ashes and rent up my clothes because I'm a Christian. No, it's not supposed to be that. I mean, I have, I have on red, which we know like some Christian, historically, some Christians might be like, hey man, don't wear red, you know. Um, they, and your wife, my wife got on red. Don't, she shouldn't be wearing red, man, you know. They, they, they might come, come with that. But, but we're not, we're not supposed to think of ourselves in a small way. Why shouldn't we? Well, one, we're made in the image of God. We're not God but we're made in his image, right? So automatically that gives us a level of dignity that not every part of creation has. It doesn't say that God made the birds in his image. Nothing against the birds, even though I'm scared of the ones that, 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 that seem to be getting, seem to be, some of these birds seem to be getting real big out here. I'm uh, just wondering like, man, Lord, what in the world is going on? What they've been eating, Lord? Like, I'm, man, they've been eating like they've been going to Roost Chris or something, man. And it's like, man. So was going to coming from Duncan on the way here. I'm like, man, that bird too big, ain't it, babe? Yeah, that bird big. You know, it's like, man. But it doesn't say that he made the birds in his image. 
right? All of creation, it says, then he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, right? And then he doesn't just speak. He takes the dust of the earth and he forms and fashions the man. Then he's not finished with the man because that's not enough. So he breathes into the man, right? And then he becomes a living soul. Doesn't say that about any of the other creation in that way. So we should think of ourselves in a way that is not detrimental to who we are. That we do have a level of what I call um, delegated autonomy. We can run our lives the way we want to. Now, we can say, you know, ultimately we can't. I, I understand that. But functionally, like if I just say, you know what, I want, right now I want to throw this pool pit on the ground. I could do it. I'm not going to show you that I can do it, but you're laughing because you know I could do it. Right? But I'm not going to do that. Right? But, but and if I decided to do it right now, you couldn't do anything about it. You couldn't stop me. You couldn't restrain. You're not close enough to do that. So I could just say, ah, and then boom. Now you might be like, man, we don't identify the grace given to you. <laughs> so we can't trust you anymore, man. You're throwing pool pits on the ground. So. But we are to think of ourselves with some level of awareness that we're made in God's image. That even the psalmist, he's like, okay, when I observe the heavens, he sees all the heavens and his wonders. He could be a person. Now, the psalmist wasn't even as, as, as he wasn't able to access with, with what a brother in our church, his name is, is Eddie Cluck. He works for NASA. He's able with the tools that NASA has to see all these wonderful things about the heavens. And he told us that, you know what, that causes me to view the mercies of God in a way that God, who I know who sent his son to die for me, has all of this that he's created. And I'm able to see more of it than most people. The psalmist isn't even able to observe all that Eddie observes, but he says, when I observe your heavens, the works, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place. He asks, what is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. And then he says in verse five of chapter eight of the Psalms, you made him a little less than God. And crowned him with glory and honor. Every human, this is applicable to every single human being. There is, uh, regardless of what people do with it, there is some level of glory and honor that they have. We can choose, again, we can choose to do what we will with that. But as God would have it, as a human being, every last person has some glory and honor. And so we shouldn't think of ourselves less than embracing a false humility. But we should think of ourselves as God. Again, the ultimate truth, right? Not 
my truth. Regardless of how anyone has treated you, regardless of what people say to you, remember what God says about you. Remember that scripture also says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. This was one of the fearful and wonderful things that I, that I, that I, I looked up to see like, okay, what are some things that could just highlight the, how fearfully and wonderfully made, at least wonderfully made we are. I know I talked about Ruth's Chris and the big birds. But just with something as small as the tongue, I learned, I didn't notice, I've experienced this. But the tongue is covered in about 8,000 taste buds. Each one of those taste buds contain up to 100 cells that helps us to taste our food. That's just the tongue. I chose not to get caught up in all this, so I just said, okay, I have to use one thing. But there are many more things. If you just go and see like amazing things about the human body, you can look up, you can see a lot of, some of them are kind of weird, but you can see, you'll see some, some, some amazing things about the image, excuse me, about the, about the human body. So we're made in God's image, man. We, we, he's fearfully and wonderfully made us. And then he redeemed us despite the rebellion of our first parents. He didn't redeem us by someone else. He took on flesh to experience the penalty that we should have. So he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you should think about yourself. Instead of doing that, think sensibly. To think sensibly is just to, um, uh, to <laughs> I love definitions like this, to use good sense <laughs> or show sound judgment um, is to uh, be keenly aware um, to be cognizant um, is to be uh, to to um, just be able to process things in the proper way. So he says, "Don't think of yourself uh, more highly than you should think. Instead, think sensibly." And his appeal to think sensibly is is interesting to me because he says he goes on after that immediately to say, "As God has distributed a measure of faith to." Each one. So God, part of, excuse me, part of the the sensibilities is that not just that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made or I'm made in God's image, but it's that LaShawn's made in God's image and she's fearfully and wonderfully made as well. That Andrew is made in God's image and is fearfully and wonderfully made as well. That Ayana is fearfully and wonderfully made and made in God's image as well, that Lauren is, that you are, that we are, and in different ways. There are no twins in here, no triplets. Everybody looks different. Most of us even have, uh, you know, our our complexion is a little different. Even if we're African, our our complexion is different. Even if we're not African, our, our complexions are different. Our hairstyles are different. Even though when I went to the basketball game, uh, high school championship yesterday, all the youngins had their hair in the same style. Yeah, very interesting. But that's not really the case here. There's a diverse uh, styling of the hair. 
And I'm sure there is for anyone joining us live stream too, even though we can't see you. But I'm sure you don't look just like anyone in here. Unless, unless Paul Buka, Steve's twin, is looking, then they look just alike. But um, they look, it took me like 10 years to figure out who was who. Uh, yeah. But I eventually did it. I'm so proud of myself. Every last one of us has, has different gifts, skills, abilities that God has given us. So we're to be able to appreciate what I'll call um, later, and I, so I'm calling it now, um, the diversity, diversity that we have. But it's not just any kind of diversity. It is unified diversity. Which almost is, a, it, it, that's like an oxymoron. But the church is that. And so humanity is humanity, right? Everyone's fearfully and wonderfully made, made in God's image. There are gifts that we have. We're probably aware of those. Sometimes we may not be. We'll speak to that in a little, in a little bit. But there are gifts that we have. I can't do everything you can do. You can't do everything I can do. But when we put those together, <laughs> man, we're like the Avengers. <laughs> but better. Ephesians 4, 7, and 8, it says this. Now, uh, now grace has, was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is just before when I read about the, um, the, 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 the apostles, prophets, and all of that. It goes on in verse 8 to say, For it says when he ascended on high, he took captives captive. He gave gifts to people. Every one of us has some expression of see, the grace of God isn't just to save us. The grace of God is also to give us gifts to express the glory of God. And so each one of us has the grace that has saved us, those of us who are in Christ, and we have the gift of gifts of God within us as well. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. Not some people, not one of the people, not the ones who are out front, but he gives, uh, he works the same in each person, in each person. It says, verse 7, a manifestation of the spirit, that's the grace, a manifestation. The, the grace can also be, um, is also related to gifts. And so the manifestation of the spirit, what we cannot see is expressed through our gifts, which we, which we can't see. Our gifts through our actions, which we can't see. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So that's why we are not to think. Now, it, it also says this, just so you put in perspective. We're not going to read it, but it also says further down in uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians that, that the, the parts of the body that are not seen, that they are of more import than those that are. So we shouldn't be enamored with the gifts of you fill in the blank. I understand that that's hard. I understand that that, that can be hard. 
So while we shouldn't be enamored, we should be able to appreciate. We should be able to celebrate the gifts that we have, that different ones of us have, because why should we be able to celebrate them? Because in some way they express the glory of God. So we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought. I know that's King James, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but we should think sensibly because God has given gifts to each one of us to be used in the context of the church, to be used as his people to glorify him. So just to begin to express um, what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I would advise you to read that on your own, um, would say about the, um, because of what, of what it says about the body, he goes on in verse four to say, now as we, we are many parts in one body and all parts do not have the same function. So he's just banging that out a little bit, right? So, so we have what, um, what, I, what I've, called the unified diversity. So uh, obviously unity means to be in a state of, of oneness. Um, uh, it refers to the whole or totality of combined parts into one. And diversity speaks of, a, um, of, of just being different and being unlike each other. It is, um, as I do like this word, that it uses, <clears throat> it is a multiformity. Multiformity, so different pieces right so but but we are different pieces not separately we're different pieces that have been merged together because we have a mutual faith in Jesus Christ so the church is a unified diversity and yet we're still individual members so verse 5 in the same way uh, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we're not just individuals, but we're individually members of one another. Wow, members of one another. Members of one another. I think that, that, that phrase speaks for itself. But do you feel like you're members of one another? Do we feel like we're members of one another? I understand for the past two years, things have been a little different. I was somewhere with a principal who said, March 13th of 2020 was when they were told, send enough work home with your kids for two weeks, for two weeks, because, yes, two weeks, do that. The two weeks just ended in January, I think, in Prince George's County. I don't know what it is in other places, but, 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 but I, so I realized things have been a little different, and we've been like, you know, we've been isolated, we've been apart. Um, and I, you know, look, I have, I have four brothers, three brothers, excuse me, it's four of us. Two of them I didn't grow up with, so we're not, it's not like we, we didn't grow up together. Like I'm 15 years, 14 to 15 years older than them. They lived in a different place, all, all that. So, but my, my brother that I grew up with, he and I do not talk very often, but when we talk, we don't start over. We pick up where we left off. 
We don't have to reestablish love because love is already there and it's never like gone anywhere. Even though we've been isolated from one another, I mean, man, if you know each other, then you're going to be like, yes, I'm glad to see the Coleman's back because I missed them. I realized that they weren't here and the fact that they are here, oh, I see them. Now, I've seen them within the last two years because we used to live in the same neighborhood, sort of. And then uh, Amy helped us to buy uh, the home that we currently live in uh, and hope to. No, I'm not going to make that statement, Lord. I don't know. That statement right there. That's all right. <laughs> but do you, is there a functionality to what this passage is saying in that, in that section of it? Like, are you individually, yes, you're yourself, you're whatever your name is. I'm Michael Dixon. But do I feel like, and even if I don't feel like I'm, um, Members of you, if you're a member of this church, I do feel like I'm a member of you. I don't pray for every church the way I pray for members of Solid Rock Church. I do pray for churches, but I'm not necessarily aware of everything or aware of even most things or anything about those churches possibly. But I can be aware that LaShawn got engaged. I can be aware that Josh and Hannah had uh, their, their, their baby shower here at Solid Rock Church. And even though I couldn't be here because I had to do something else, um, I was sad I couldn't be there. I'm aware of the increased amount of little kids we have in the church. Why? Because I'm connected. I, 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 don't, I don't love them like their parents, but I'm, it brings joy to my heart just to see them here in the church and to ask that God bless them right quick. To see that some, you know, to meet some of the pandemic babies with some of their special skills, you know, you know, jumping up and down at four months and, um, you know, holding up your head from birth. Um, you know, I mean, all of that stuff, you know, it's nice to meet them. It's kind of scary too, but it's nice to meet them, right? It's nice to meet them. Why is it nice? It's because there's, I'm connected to you. Your child, even though it's not literally my child, your child is my child because we part of the same village. Do you feel like you're a part of the same village? And if you don't, what are you willing to do about it? Because scripture says that we're individually members of one another, not in name. Like he didn't say you're you're just individually members of the church in Rome. He didn't say that you're individually members of one another. So it's not, it's not, it's not just me. It's in my Christian life. It's me and we. I realize now, I understand I have, Kurt and I have unique positions, but I understand that in the, in the, in the role that I have that, that like if I did something like, whether you like did something that was, that dishonored God that like the whole world found out about or knew about, that it would affect you some kind of way. But we affect each other, whether we know it or not. We affect each other. In um, Joshua chapter 7, 
that's the, the, the time where Joshua and uh, Israel went to fight Ai, a small little country, man, even their, even their name is short. A and I, Ai. <laughs> they were like, man, we only need, need to send everybody, man, just send a few people there, man. They got routed by Ai. By AI. Why did they get routed by, by Allen Iverson? No, anyway, um, they, got, they got routed by Ai, right? And so... <laughs> Joshua doesn't know what, what happened. He goes before God, come to find out somebody when they uh, fought Jericho had taken something that they wasn't supposed to take, hid it under the ground, all that stuff, put something over it so they couldn't. But God knew. And not only did God know, it affected Israel. Now, we don't see stuff like that happening, right? There's no chapter and verse that says, hey, in the New Testament, like what happened with Israel right there. Plus, we got to know how to rightly divide the word. But you do have to wonder if stuff in the Old Testament was written for our learning. (laughs) How does my pursuit or lack of pursuit of sanctification affect Solid Rock Church as a body? Because it probably does. We won't see it like that because we ain't getting, you know, only time I'm fighting like that is if somebody come to the United States and one of y'all let me borrow y'all's weapons because I don't have any except these. And they not, I don't, I think they're like scud missiles if you knew about, like they're not really effective at this point, 50 something, you know. But so we're not fighting in a war like that, but like, I just wonder the effect, and I don't know, and I can't speak to it, but I just wonder because I believe that there is an effect because we're the body. And on your body, if you wake up in the middle of the night, as I do oftentimes, um, and you hit your toe on something, which thank God I don't do most of the time, but you are going to feel that. Not only are you going to feel that, but your entire body is probably going to respond, even if it's just out of your mouth. Oh, even if it's just that. Even if you don't grab it, your body, you will respond to the reality of what's going on with your body. Why? Because you're part of that body. So in some way, shape, or form, our pursuit of God affects not only me, but it affects you because we're linked together as a community. We're linked together by the blood of Jesus Christ. The only thing that can unlink us is if we jump outside of that. And I'm sure nobody is doing that. And Lord, if there, anyone's even contemplating that, would you stop them right now? Would you speak through this? How does self-preservation, individual prosperity, and individualism shape our commitment to each other? How committed do we feel to each other? That's something to think about. And more, and more than that, that's something to act upon after we think about it. Either we're doing well and we'll keep on keeping on, or we will adjust ourselves so that we can do a little better. One of, and, and it is something I think we excel in a bit because um, I do, I, and everyone who has come to this church for years, before some of you even came, and before I even came, have come, well, I don't know how they commented, but there's been a dynamic since I first walked through the doors of, When church is over, it's not really over. 
People hang out, they talk to each other, they, they, they make sure they're sowing they're sowing in a direction of being connected. And that's something that can, you know, that's something that can only take place when, when you're here in that way. But it can take place when you're not here because now, man, now we have like cell phones, right? We could text people. We could FaceTime them. We also still have a mail. We can send people cards. We can say happy birthday. We can do these things. These are ways that we can make sure we're expressing our connectedness. But we are, as the passage says, we are individually members of one another. So just to, just to, just to refresh, this is what Romans 12, uh, 3 through 8 says, and we're about to uh, finish up the last couple of verses, but it says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. If um, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Notice that Paul is aware that he's not the only one who's received grace. So while he's, he started speaking from the grace given to him, he works his way to, no, we all have grace, right? We all have received grace. He's alluded to it by saying that each one of us has gifts, um, but he says, according to the grace given us, we have different gifts. We've already talked about uh, the difference, uh, our, our diversity of gifts on some level, so we won't belabor that. But then he says, if prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. Okay, that's the end of verse six. So, uh, then he says, he says, if, 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 if service, use it to serve, uh, if uh, teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, um, showing mercy with cheerfulness. So the, the, the notice that the, if prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. And I'm not, I'm, my, my purpose in this little section is not to like, it's not even to highlight the gifts in a way like, hey, pursue this gift. It's, it's, it's not that. My, my goal here is that we would see that there's a need to develop um, our gifts, that, that, that we would see that there's, there's a, a need to be uh, focused and on some level content in our gifts, and that we should have a corresponding character that accompanies the gifts that we have. So notice that when it talks about prophecy, if prophecy used in accordance with the portion of one's faith. So, so prophecy is, is simply like speaking under divine uh, inspiration. So that's a, a very generic uh, use of, of, of definition for uh, prophecy. Um, you will never be able to prophesy if you don't have a certain level of faith. But we should say that everyone's faith is not always, let me, say, let me say it this way. The faith that we have to prophesy, to speak under divine inspiration, should be one that is 
especially, so this is particularly when we're talking about predictive and speaking into people's lives. Um, it may not be appropriate for you to have faith. In the sense, yeah, what I mean by that is, remember uh, Hebrews 5, 14. People's senses have been trained to discern between good and evil. Our gifts, and especially something like predictive prophecy, which is not necessarily what he's talking about, but it, 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 it's a means to an end here. So, so, so they are not to be used just because we think we have them. They're not to be used just because we feel like we can do this. They're to be used with a measure of discernment as to whether or not we have that gift. If you don't know if you have that gift, then like, man, don't jump out there and be like, hey, man, thus saith the Lord. If you say thus saith, you don't even have to say thus saith the Lord. If it is the Lord, you don't even have to use his name. You can just talk and people be like, man, that's the Lord. You don't even need to announce. You can just speak. You can just, you, you can, I'm telling you, I know this from experience. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I have, I don't even say what gifts I have. I just, I just operate however um, I'm supposed to operate. But, you, but I have experience speaking to people I don't know and them crying. And I'm like, oh, God, dog, man, Lord. Um, like, I'm surprised at what's happening, right? It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm about to tell this person. It's not, it's not that. Now, people operate differently. Than, you know, if you got that, cool. But I'm saying you need to make sure you got it. There needs to be some confirmation other than you. It needs to be developed to the point that, like, you, other people are like, man, you know, such and such and such. Like, you, you ever think about that? Not, oh, yeah, man, I think I got, I, I, I have a relative who will tell you that they are a prophet. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't even do that. Nah, don't do that. Whatever gifts you seem to have, make sure that you are developing them. In the Hebrews 5.14, in the uh, uh, Romans 12.1 and 2, Make sure it's informed by God's word so that your confidence doesn't come from what you think you have, but it comes from, uh, uh, like, it's, it's, it's approved. Like, a, in, in the church, when people think they can preach, at most churches, they have, they have had something called a trial. Excuse me, God, dog, I'm getting like my old pastor, man. Um, they have um, what, 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 what used to be called a trial sermon. The trial sermon was to see whether or not this person could handle themselves and the word behind the pulpit. And then if they said, yeah, he does, then they might license him to uh, be a minister of the gospel. And if didn't, they might, if he didn't, then maybe I'm not sure what they said. If he didn't, I, you know, I really hadn't seen anybody be like, nah, we don't think you, nah, just don't. I hadn't really seen that to be honest. I mean, you know, um, but, but anyway, I hadn't, I hadn't really seen that. Um, but the point is let's develop to the point where, we say, you know what, yeah, okay, we have this gift, and we're going to use it in proportion to the faith that we have to use it. We may, I, it may not be as developed as Billy Joe, whoever he is. Um, it may not be as developed as, as his is. It may not be as developed as, as Susan, whoever Susan is. Um, but it is something that I have, and I'm willing to use it in proportion to my faith. 
But I would say, especially with predictive prophecy, man, that, that stuff like that, some gifts should be affirmed by other people, not just by yourself, not just by myself. Then he says it's service and serving. So then he starts talking about the context. So we're not to use our gifts. Um, we should use our gifts appropriately. There's a time for everything. But there's not always a time for what we want to do. Like the context may not lend itself to uh, prophecy. Like when it's time to like put chairs up. <laughs> don't prophesy then. Don't, don't speak under the divine inspiration right then, please. Just please like put the chairs up so we can do like whatever it is we need to do. Right? If it's time to clean the church, if you, if you saw the piece of gum, like it's not time to like, you know, start praying. Like, no, man, pick up, get the gum up and like then you could pray after that, you know. But, but in Every gift has its context. So if you have service, then use it in service. Don't try to serve while teaching is going on, right? <laughs> Don't try to exhort when, 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 you know, right now we're supposed to be praying. The China friends, when they pray, they're, they're not looking for an exhortation. Like, they're there to pray, right? So there's a context. They're, yes, your gift, man, be eager to use them. But realize that there's a context. And also, um, realize that there's a way. God is not just concerned. Like, we would be enamored with our gifts. So some people are enamored with their gifts. But God is concerned about how we operate in our gifts. He's concerned with our character. So um, I didn't, I, just for the sake of the process, um, um, I'm just going to move on for the sake of the process. So, um, so the character, we're supposed to have a corresponding character with the gifts that we have. So it's captured in the way in verse, in, the, in verse 8 when uh, he starts talking about giving. He says, give with generosity, lead with diligence, show mercy with cheerfulness. I have, now I've done this. I have shown mercy without cheerfulness. I know. Mm, dang. How is that even possible? It's possible because you know how, how the scripture says, uh, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 8, that God loves a cheerful giver, but it's possible to give grudgingly. And so you can, you can, you can show mercy without cheerfulness. You can help someone and be complaining in your spirit. And I've done that. Does that please God? I don't think that pleases God. Does that help the person? It does help the person, but does it please God? Is it, is it reflective of God who gives so generously that people will be fed today and will not even think about thanking God for their food? Is that reflective of God? Yeah, man, I guess I'll do that, man. You can drive my car, man. Put everything back the way it was. Who wants service from that person? Not me. Man, keep your car. I'll walk. I, I'll hitchhike. I Uber. Yeah, we got Uber now. I forgot. I'm sorry, man. You know, I'm Generation X, man. We, 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 we in the middle. We ain't always have all this stuff. So it's like, man, Uber. I don't need you. 
Now, that might not be a fruit of the Spirit, but neither was the other one, right? But that just shows you how, you know, certain things beget certain responses, right? Not saying that it's right. I'm just saying that that's, that's real, right? So the way we serve is supposed to have the character of God with it so that it is God's and not ours. God's and not ours. It's the I surrender all. It's for real. I surrender all, Lord. They got in an accident with my car. I surrender all. <laughs> no one's done that, but if it, if it happened, like if it was for God, then God is in control and man, he'll fix my car. He ain't going to fix it like come down and be a mechanic, but you know what I'm saying? He, he going to, you know, look out for me, right? So in our, in our usage of our gifts, let's make sure that we are, that we are acting in, 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 and operating in our gifts with the character of God. In our church, we, we haven't said this um, a lot, but when I got here, there was a, definitely a big emphasis on, like, we are not impressed with gifts. We are impressed with character. Even though we haven't emphasized that with our mouths, that remains a, a ministry philosophy for us as well. It's not just that we do what we do, but it's how we do it is important. Gifts mean nothing to us without character. Nothing. The devil has gifts. He's not pleasing God at all. Right? So gifts, they're not impressive. The Antichrist is going to have some gifts. He's not pleasing. He won't be pleasing God. But you and me, we have God's spirit. And we have these contexts in which to do things. We can glorify God with our whole life. We can present our bodies as a living offering, right? As sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to him. Our reasonable service based on the mercies that he's shown us. And that mercy, in view of that mercy, then we can embrace the mindset where we don't think more highly of ourselves than we should, but we think sensibly. And we... At recognize that we have gifts because God has given them and we're going to use them for the benefit of the body and we're going to use them in the right way. Next week, we'll begin to talk about what my Bible calls um, Christian ethics. Um, and that's just going to be a further, um, further outplay of exercising the will of God in our lives functionally, functionally. Not just 30,000 feet, but functionally, um, how do we love? How do we do different things? Um, and so uh, thank you for listening. We're just going to pray. And then if there are any questions, uh, we'll take those. But if they aren't, we'll have communion. And then we will be on with our week. But Lord, we thank you so much for the ability to um, walk with you, to talk with you, to um, embrace your will for our lives. We pray that you would please help us as your people to... Um, to be mindful of your mercies in our lives, to allow those mercies to move us in the direction of presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. Help us, Lord, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and help us, Lord, to functionally navigate your will so that we are operating with goodness toward you, that we're pleasing to you, 
and that we're in line with your perfect will for our lives and for us as a church. Lord, help us to embrace all that your word is said in, in verses 3 through 8. Lord, we surrender all so that you may be glorified.